and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank back with another episode of The Remnant Call. God bless each one of you for joining in. And I'm excited about the guest tonight, Brother Stephen Bankars. And we're going to introduce him here in just a few moments. Um, but just a quick few announcements. If you haven't caught the last few episodes, uh, last week was powerful, floored me. Um, Brother Benjamin, just a powerful episode. And the week before that is the de- and the, on the devil's going to church. Um, folks, I am concerned deeply that the church in many places we are not realizing recognizing what the enemy is doing right now because we're so distracted with everything in this world the technology uh, everything else our work and and things are going crazy but we're sitting there like just numb and people aren't making any differences, any changes, because we're, we're driven by this distraction. It's time to wake up and do something about it. Folks, you've got to catch those programs uh, out there, and because we need to be disciples. We need to actually go out and fulfill that great commission of sharing the love and the good news. The warning is that Jesus is coming back again, but the warning is coupled with this amazing news that this life is not going to go on forever. It will come to an end, and when it comes to an end, it will be in glory if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So please check that out. Well, I'm going to introduce our guest tonight. His name is Stephen Bankars. He had recently, maybe you caught it, co-authored a book called The Second Coming of the New Age with Josh Peck, The Hidden Dangers of Alternative Spirituality in Contemporary America and Its Churches. And I could definitely amen that that is going on, this whole New Age movement. Well, he is also a former New Age teacher who used to run one of the largest New Age websites in the world, during which time he was also a guest author on the most visited New Age site on the Internet. After a personal encounter with Jesus Christ in 2015, he quit his job as a New Age writer and has been in full-time Christian apologetic ministry on YouTube and his website, ReasonForJesus.com. And so with that, I'm going to bring on our guest tonight. Brother Stephen, are you there with us? Thank you for having me. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for being on the Remnant Call. Uh, Brother, I want to just share with our audience for a moment. Um, When I was down in Dallas, what was it, a month or two ago, we were down there, and I heard you speak uh, at the Hear the Watchman, and... um, Man, you're just your story. It touched me. Um, I, I know what it's like to be surrounded in that darkness, and what it's like to come into Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I knew from that moment if there's one guy I need to get on my show, it is you, Stephen. And I am so thankful. And I know the audience is going to enjoy hearing tonight uh, your story uh, of coming from that life of what it means to be in the New Age movement. Uh, coming into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, brother, I know as we get started here, um, you if people want to follow what you do, Reasons for Jesus, that's the best way. You also have a YouTube and Facebook, other ways people can see what you're doing? I do. I have uh, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Reasons for Jesus, and youtube.com slash Stephen Bancars. That's my, uh, my YouTube channel, and I make um, videos on that uh, channel exposing the uh, the new age deception, false ideas about Jesus, false ideas about God, and, and just debunking new age thought and practice on that channel. So those would be good resources for people. Amen. And brother, you have one of the best videos with Dr. Heiser I have ever seen on your interview. That was fantastic, folks. You've got to get over there and check out uh, Stephen's interview with Dr. Michael Heiser on the Book of Enoch and, and other things. It is a it is definitely one of those interviews for the ages you really got to check out. Um, Stephen, 
I want you tonight, please, brother. I know you you have quite the history. Um, you were a part of the spiritscience.net and the spiritscienceandmetaphysics.com. Uh, I think for people that don't know really that are believers but don't know about um, that New Age movement, those are some of the largest repositories for New Age information on the Internet. Am I correct on that? Yeah, they certainly were. Um, my website was getting hundreds of thousands of views a day. And, um, you know, the other website, the Sphere of Science, done that. That was the largest New Age website in the world. And, and just to truly uh, quickly define terms, what we mean by New Age, we're referring to um, essentially a, a mixing pot of pagan beliefs and practices, right? So the word pagan refers to any type of spirituality that deviates from the one taught in Scripture. But with the New Age movement, it's not just one set of pagan beliefs. It's not just Hinduism. It's Hinduism plus Buddhism plus mysticism plus witchcraft plus the occult. So it's really an umbrella term that includes uh, you know, some staple beliefs like reincarnation, the belief that man and nature are both divine, the belief that all paths ultimately lead back to God in the end. You know, uh, This is being taught by New York Times bestselling authors, you know, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, um, even celebrities like Russell Brand, Jim Carrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah Winfrey. And this really is a popular movement right now. Um, my website was one of the largest in the world. But just to give uh, the listeners a, a brief understanding of how prevalent this is right now, some people may have never heard of the New Age movement, right? But right now you have about 40% of Americans who say they meditate at least once per week. You have 36 million Americans practicing yoga. It's a $10 billion industry. Right, the psychic services industry, things like palmistry, fortune telling, tarot card reading. This is a two billion dollar industry, right? A recent study came out from the Pew Research Center and it found that twenty seven percent of Americans identify as spiritual but not religious. Now compare that to the three percent of Americans who identify as atheists. The problem in the country of America, the problem in the West in general right now, is not that people are refraining from believing in God. I mean that's a problem too but they're more likely to believe that they are divine, that they are God, than to reject God altogether. And what was really troubling, God, was a study that came out in October of 2018 that found that 62% of the American population held at least one New Age belief, and they only tested for four New Age beliefs. So this stuff is absolutely all over the place. It's infiltrating um, every area of our culture and now occupies the, the vast majority of Western thought. And as you said, my website was one of the largest in the world um, during this time. Well, and it's in addition to you know Buddhism, Hinduism, and all these different uh, things. It's also Christianity gets tied into this whole New Age movement and blended together. Correct? I mean, this is not just only those. It's also Christianity being blended. It is, yeah. Because what what New Age authors and teachers will do, they will use Christian language, but redefine the term slightly to try to give people what appears to be the truth. But if you were to actually flesh it out and what its actual teachings are, it's completely antithetical to the gospel, to the cross, to the Bible, etc. So a good example of this would be uh, A Course in Miracles. It's a best-selling book promoted by Oprah Winfrey, promoted by Marianne Williamson, a 2020 presidential candidate. And this book, A Course in Miracles, if you were to open it up, you'd see the word Jesus 300 times. You'd see the word Holy Spirit 300 times, right? But they're referring to a different Jesus, Right and a different gospel. Paul says in Galatians 1.8, you know, if we are an angel, preach a gospel other than the one you received to us. Right? Jesus says, many will come in my name, same, saying, I am Christ. Right? We have to look a little bit deeper at what they actually mean when they use these terms. Who are they talking about? Is this the Jesus of the New Testament? Is this the monotheistic Jew who said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins? Or is this some New Age, uh, you know, postmodern Jesus who teaches that there's many paths to God and love is the way and everything is about unity and acceptance and, and light and world peace. When Jesus says, you know, do not be deceived. I did not come onto the earth to bring, to bring peace, but a sword for because of me, a man will be divided against those of his own household. Um, so there is a new age Jesus being taught right now um, in the West. Uh, best-selling books are new age spins on Jesus, what he really meant, what he really taught. And um, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have a, uh, Josh Peck and I have a book, the second coming of the new age. Um, our sixth chapter in there is all about, what the New Age movement says about Jesus, how they twist and pervert the real, his actual teachings and try to put an Eastern mystical spin on them to, meet, to make him a teacher of Christ consciousness. This idea that man is all divine by nature, and Jesus came to help us realize that we're all divine like he was. And they pervert verses like, is it not written in your law that ye are God, so the kingdom of God is within you, to try and push this idea that man is divine. And um, they're really getting away 
uh, with murder. Literally, this is how the New Age makes its money, is by perverting the person of Jesus. And when I was in the the New Age movement, um, I was born and raised a Christian. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, but it was always a red flag for me. Um, Why are they always going out of their way to try to account for the person of Jesus, but never Buddha? They're never trying to redefine Buddha or Muhammad. It's always Christ. And that was a big red flag to me. And uh, so that was something that, you know, I obviously eventually realized is because he is a force to be reckoned with. He's exactly who he claimed to be. And the new age movement and every other false religion, every other false spirituality is just uh, a tactic of the enemy against the cross of Christ. Amen. And I've personally have known of, and from, you know, places that I've, uh, people I've been worshiped with and everything, uh, this influence into the church is there with the whole meditative prayer, centering prayer, um, the la- walking prayer labyrinths, and uh, all these teachings that have basically uh, come into, which, you know, many of them uh, come from ancient, you know, mysticism, but also Quaker mysticism and other forms. And it's being uh, basically, you know, it's, it, I never thought the day would come when, you know, centering on our navels would become a part of the church. And uh, unfortunately, is, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen that come in, and it's and it's very scary. Well, being raised a Christian, how what led you to make this turn into the New Age movement? Yeah, I was uh, I was raised really a textbook Christian. I had the kind of upbringing that you know very few people um, are blessed to be able to experience. You know, I was homeschooled under a Christian curriculum, two Christian parents. Uh, I went to a Christian private school up until the sixth grade. I was rotating between homeschooling and Christian private school until. The sixth grade didn't hit public school systems until I was in the seventh grade. Um, when, I was in, when I was in the ninth grade, I was obsessed with Christian apologetics. Um, from the seventh to ninth grade, my parents were exploring Messianic Judaism. They were just kind of, we aren't Jewish, uh, you know, in, in, our, in our genetics, but it was just something they wanted to explore. So we went to a Messianic synagogue for over a year, and then we would have like Messianic home meetings at our house. We would observe all the high feast days and keep all the dietary laws it was something we did as a family, and it was, uh, it was very, very devoted. Our spiritual life was very, very devoted, and they couldn't have done a better job raising me, raising me up in the knowledge of God and, and the stories of the Bible, Christian ethics, and so forth. But when I got into high school, you know, ultimately it, is, it, it boils down to you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and us suppressing the truth and unrighteousness because we'd rather um, be the Lord over our own life. That's really what it comes down to. I wanted to be the Lord over my own life, and the New Bitch Movement was an excuse by which I could, you know, justify to myself this suppression of the truth and unrighteousness. But what led me down into the New Age Movement, um, it was the topic of aliens. And I started researching this uh, at high school, at lunch break and on my spare, and I would read stories about people who were pulled up onto spacecrafts by these extraterrestrials, and all of their descriptions of these beings seemed to be the same. And um, these entities seem to have the same kind of agenda in mind. Uh, it was kind of a, a spiritual agenda, but they also wanted to experiment on them genetically. They seemed to be interested in the, the spirituality and the genetics of mankind. Um, there seemed to be a lot of UFO sightings that were reported by, you know, people, high-ranking military officials, police officers, university professors, pilots, very credible people reporting seeing things blinking in and out of the sky, things that weren't lights, that were behaving like aircraft but then completely just it seemed to dissipate um, out of thin air. And I was thinking to myself, if even one of these instances is correct, if even one of these instances occurred, I have to be able to account that into my Christian worldview, into the world that I'd been raised with. You know? And it, the evidence started to pile up um, when I started to research uh, ancient astronaut theory. Uh, there's a program called Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. And this is the idea that mankind was visited in the past by extraterrestrials, flesh and blood ETs from other planets, and when they got here, ancient man thought, oh, here are our, you know, the gods coming down from the sky in their chariots of fire, or, or the Greeks would, you know, say gods flying on their flying shields and so forth. But really, this is primitive, man, primitive man's attempt to understand an ET encounter he was having. And there seemed to be some evidence from the ancient world that maybe, in fact, they were visited by something. Um, I hadn't heard any of the Christian explanation for this phenomenon, you know, the fall of angels, Genesis 6, the book of Enoch, etc., Uh, some of the stuff Josh Peck and I now talk about and we do in our book. But um, for me, this seemed to be uh, hard to explain in six-day literal creationism. You know, on what day did God say, let there be aliens? You know, if Jesus is the only path to God, did Jesus have to go and die on every single planet that had intelligent life 
did he have to give each planet their own version of Scripture, et cetera? I couldn't reconcile this with Christianity being the only path to God. And so I figured, well, maybe Christianity is just one of many other paths to God. And a lot of people teaching this ET phenomenon, people like Dr. Stephen Greer, people like David Wilcock, um, even people like Graham Hancock, uh, these people push New Age philosophy about the afterlife, about the self, about human consciousness. And so it was New Age teachers who were teaching me about ETs. And I thought their explanation for this phenomenon was the only game in town. So I dove neck deep into the, the stuff. I mean neck deep. I was watching you know, the first two, three seasons of Ancient Aliens. I had them on my iPod. I'd fall asleep to it in my ears. Um, I was literally obsessed, and I was reading uh, material. I would take notes on this stuff. I was a, a philosophy major at the time, and I'd come home from school, and I'd start researching my, uh, my New Age material, you know, I'd be researching the alleged evidence for reincarnation, uh, pyramid technology. I'd be learning about astral projection. I'd be learning about uh, near-death experiences that seemed to contradict Scripture. And I was taking notes on this stuff. I was trying to reconcile it with the worldview I'd been raised with. And it reached a point where I was like, okay, I can't. I'm not a Christian. You know, I'm sure there's something special about Jesus. I don't really know what it is, but I'll sort that out later. There's just too much information that seems to be piling up against the Christian worldview. I hadn't heard any Christians discuss anything like this before. Um, not a single time in church, not a single time, any friend, any family friend, any parent, any relative. I thought this stuff was kind of the Achilles heel of Christianity. I really did. And um, it's obviously not. And that's what my whole ministry is about now. But during this time, I was fully convinced it reached a point where in November of 2012, I decided to create a website uh, or sorry, a Facebook page called Spirit Science and Metaphysics. And uh, within the next year and maybe five months or so, it grew to over half a million followers. It blew up really, really fast. And wow. that Facebook page was really a culmination of my, uh, the research I'd come across. So I was a really diligent researcher. When I would read these books, I'd go look in the endnotes, and I'd pull up the primary sources, and I'd go online, and I'd look for the primary sources. And I would put these together into articles, into Facebook posts. And I developed a network online, a, a partnership, if you will, with other Facebook pages that were New Age. We would share each other's stuff, like, hey, I'll share a post of yours if you share a post of mine. So we can kind of cross-pollinate audiences, and this is what we did. We had a network. And so January of 2014 came around, and um, I had a buddy message me, and he was uh, taking screenshots of, uh, for me of, of ad revenue of his. He had just made a website, and he had one of these Facebook pages I was doing share for shares with. And he's like, hey, man, I just made my first $1,000. I had my first $1,000 day. He's like, your Facebook page is huge. You have access to a lot of Facebook pages. He's like, if we, if we made you a website, you could be making $1,000 a day easily. And I was like, okay, whatever, let's try it. So I built a website with him, filled it up with articles that I wrote um, uh, that were just reflective of, of the research I had come across, right? And so when I launched my website, I had so many Facebook pages I could share this material on. Massive New Age Facebook pages, Collective Evolution, uh, The Mind Unleashed, Higher Perspective, Spirit Science. Um, at, at this point now, these Facebook pages have like 10 plus million likes each. These are massive Facebook pages. And so because they were so large, um, I was getting hundreds of thousands of views a day on my website. You know, sometimes over half a million, three quarters of a million views on a, a single day on, on my website. And it was resulting in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month. Um, I made, you know, $55,000 on my first three weeks, something ridiculous like this. And I thought this was God rewarding me. Um, during this time, I thought I had a relationship with God. I thought that God was the universe, but God was also outside the universe in some kind of abstract sense. So I believe that God was the substance of reality. The New Age movement teaches pantheism. Pantheism is the belief that the universe and God are identical to one another, that God is the universe, the universe is God, and that's all there is to it panentheism is where you believe that the universe is divine, that the universe is God, but that you believe God also exists outside of the universe in some sense. And he kind of made the universe out of his own substance, out of his own being. The universe kind of emanates out of God, and therefore the universe and everything in it is divine, including man. And I thought that's what the ministry of Jesus really was, as I described earlier, that everyone's divine, everything's God, all is God, and God is all. And Jesus was the Word made flesh, just like we're all the Word made flesh. And we need to ascend to the state of consciousness that Christ had, and he, he showed us how to do that. And so I would pray to God. I would talk to God and say, you know, I want to serve you. You know, if you give me the resources I need, I'll continue to serve you. Now, meanwhile, I had an idol invented 
of God in my mind, and I was having an intellectual relationship with this idol. Uh, there was absolutely no honest pursuit on my end toward the God of Scripture. I didn't read the Gospels a single time I was in the New Age movement. I didn't even try. And for someone who was claiming to be a truth seeker, nobody in the New Age movement is a truth seeker. That's the word that they'll use, but they're not. If they were a truth seeker, they would at least explore the person of Jesus honestly and crack open the Gospels and see what the Lord has to say about himself. But we don't want the truth. Um, we choose to believe a lie on purpose so that we can remain, remain sovereign over our own life. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't want my conscience to be confronted by what was in Scripture, but here I am praying to who I believed was somehow related to Jesus, a God who um, didn't exist, who happened to look exactly like me and believe everything I believed and had the same moral standard that I had, uh, just a God in my own image, you know. And so I remember... I bought my sports car cash. I'm thinking this is God's abundance in my life. You know, God slash the universe is uh, rewarding me for waking humanity up to these divine truths that, hey, you're more than your body. Hey, you're more than your past. You know, hey, hey, you're a spiritual being having a temporary human experience. You're an eternal being. You know, there's a plan for your life. And it's more than just being a material creature going through the, the rat race. You know, you're a spiritual being who came here to self-discover and evolve your soul through one of many lifetimes that you've lived to reach a state of ascension. And I thought the universe was rewarding me and providing me the means by which to share this message. Totally deceived, totally self-deceived. I remember sitting in my car and I rolled down my window. And my, I was pulling out of my, my parents' driveway and I rolled down my window and I, I looked at my father and I told him, I, I literally, this is how arrogant I was. I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you as well. Meanwhile, what the Bible says about where I was at, um, Ephesians 2, I was dead in trespasses and sins, following the course of the world and the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I was a pawn for Satan's kingdom, and I didn't even realize it. I was using the name God. I was using the name Jesus. I thought Jesus and I were on good terms, and I would tell my girlfriend at the time that. Meanwhile, we're living in sin. I'm being completely deceptive to her. I thought Jesus and I were on good terms. In the idolatrous way I had imagined Jesus, not Jesus as he actually existed. So this whole time when I'm researching in the New Age movement, I'm putting this material out. I'm trying to reconcile it with the Bible somehow. I'm trying to fit Jesus in there. I'm trying to fit God in there. But I have a really perverted understanding because I'm not allowing God to define himself. I'm insisting on uh, being the one who gets to define who he is and what he said and so forth. And so uh, my website was extremely successful. And I had my whole career lined up in front of me. I mean, I really had connections to the moon and back. Um, you know, I'm 21 years old working from home. I'm my own, my own boss. I'm creating my own hours. I'm working like two hours a day, three hours a day. But I'll be making, you know, a thousand, two, three thousand dollars a day. I was really living what I thought to be the dream. Um, now, what about internally? What was my life like internally? My mental health was uh, unbelievably poor. My emotional health was unbelievably poor. My spiritual health was just outrageously. I mean, I was, the Bible talks about how in the days of Noah, the thoughts and intentions of men were evil continuously. Um, that was me. I would wake up and I was a narcissist. I was a lust addict. I was violent. Um, I, I, I was just an addict. I just really was. Um, I was prideful. I was covetous. I was everything the Bible says not to be, all the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. That's what I was, sexually immoral, a cheater, a liar. I would literally be able to tell you a lie to your face, knowing that I'm lying, and walk away feeling excited that I didn't get caught. I wouldn't feel a thing. My conscience was completely, completely seared. And um, this is actually not that uncommon for New Age teachers. It's actually fairly common that people in the New Age movement who teach this stuff, who teach new spirituality, I'm talking best-selling authors, uh, really high names up in the community, people that some listeners may be familiar with. I had inside information about the kind of life they were living. We're talking like cocaine addiction, you know, alcoholism. It's not to put these people down. It's just to show the intrinsic fruitlessness of this type of spirituality. It's not working. It's a broken system. Everyone's left broken, right? This type of philosophy has absolutely no power in overcoming the, uh, the lust and the, the desires of the flesh, as Paul says, I believe in Colossians. And so... Um, I'm a slave to my sin, right? Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I like it says in Ephesians that you were darkness and now you're light. I wasn't just a little bit dark. I didn't just have darkness in me. I was darkness. 
That's what the Bible says, and that's truly how I felt at the time. I got used to feeling the presence of demons around me. There seemed to be two of them around me, and I would just feel them there. I just knew that I was being watched by something demonic, and um, I just got used to it. I just put up with it and tolerated it. And it reached a point in my life where I was living a, living a double life on, uh, on my girlfriend at the time. And it started to become uncomfortable in my conscience. And I don't know if that was a God doing a work of, of quickening in my conscience, you know, trying to uh, prepare me for salvation. But he was something was happening in my conscience where it wasn't sitting right with me anymore. And all these sins that I had been suppressing, all of the skeletons I'd buried in my closet started coming up to the surface. And it was right at the forefront of my consciousness. And, um, you know, finally my girlfriend pulled it out of me that I wasn't being faithful in, in the relationship. And um, that was the most I'd ever heard anybody. You know, this is someone I, I, I bought a house with. Uh, you know, this is someone I thought I was going to plan my future with, but I was a slave to my sin. I was doing everything that I'd always done. This was nothing new for me. This is all I had known was brokenness and addiction. And so uh, I completely wrecked her and I wrecked myself in the process by seeing how much I hurt her. And that was like looking in a mirror for the first time. And um, so we went back home to, uh, to my parents' house and my mother was like, okay, Steve, she's like, are you ready to give your life to the Lord yet? And I was thinking, um, sure. I mean, I don't have anything to hold back at this point. You know, I've tried being God over my life, over my own life. Clearly I'm not fit to play that role. And I knew I was being dishonest with Jesus. I'd actually wrote an article about two weeks prior to this salvation prayer. I said with my mother called five reasons we need to take Jesus more seriously. And I was telling, it got, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares in the new age movement, telling people, Jesus is appearing to people in visions. He's appearing to people in dreams. He's appearing to people in near death experiences. Uh, he started the largest spiritual movement in history. We need to listen to this guy. We need to take his ministry seriously. And, but it was a, a Jesus that um, was different than the one taught in scripture. Uh, it was a Jesus in my own image. And so, when I said this prayer of salvation with my mom, that was an invitation for the Lord to begin to invade my life as he really is. Uh, I don't believe I was born again in that moment, but that was when I surrendered the reins and said, okay, Jesus, whoever you are, however you are, I want to begin to know you. I want to explore you openly and honestly, and I'm not going to fit you into the box of Christ consciousness and Eastern mysticism. Like I've been doing, like I've been taught to do by Eckhart Tolle and, you know, Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra and all these best-selling New Age authors, I want you as you really are. So about a week and a half or two weeks went by, and during this time, I'm reading scripture a little bit. You know, not much has changed in my life. Um, I was on a hiatus from, from writing articles because I wanted to seek God out a little bit, just take a break and try to find what the truth actually was here. My house was still all decked out with New Age books, Buddha idols, you name it. But uh, something had changed. I had a, a different orientation toward the person of Jesus. And it reached a point um, where I felt in my spirit, I had one round of sin that was so dark and so criminal, I didn't want to confess it. Um, I told God, God, if I confess this, this could make news headlines. This could land me in prison. Um, if I confess this, you know, this could ruin my life. This could be, you know, the end of really everything for me. And I, I, I was talking with him and I was like, do you want me to confess this? If you do, I have no right to refuse you at this point. If you want me to, I will. And um, I would go hang out with him at this, uh, this, this property. Uh, the first night I said prayer of salvation with my mother, we went to this church meeting, but it was like in a tent, like kind of a revival tent. And it was on this beautiful piece of land where they would have like meetings, prayer meetings and, and worship and, and church sermons. I saw Dr. Michael Brown speak there. Uh, a couple years after I got saved, but I would go out to that land, that piece of land. I would just talk with God and just spend time with him, even though I, I wasn't really all in yet. And so I asked God, you know, do you want me to confess this? And I was getting a green light that I had to, I had to share it. So um, I ended up sharing it with the person that it related to. And um, I was forgiven, but that was the lowest I had ever been. I, I didn't like, I don't think you can be lower than that. Um, I had no strength. I had no integrity left, no dignity left. I, had, I, I realized how much of a puppet I was to my own broken emotions, broken mind, and the demons that were orchestrating things in my being. And um, I was sorry. I was actually sincerely sorry, not just 
to the people I'd hurt, but to God. This was really the first time where I felt sorry unto God for the life I'd lived. Uh, I owed him an apology. And it's like what David says, you know, God against you and you only have I sinned. And so this provoked me to go onto, uh, I, I went outside, I went onto the, the back balcony of my house and um, I just fell at the feet of the Lord and I was just weeping before him, um, just letting it all out, uh, crying, weeping, you know, snot pouring out of my face. And I was, that was my first time that I really surrendered and really repented. And I was all in. I put every chip I had into the middle and I didn't, I didn't know that he was real like that. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I needed him. It was, I need you. I'm sorry. I want you. I'm ready to live with you. I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready to serve you. You know, I tap out, I'm done. Uh, whatever you want, I'm in and I can't do this anymore. And that's when he showed up and that's when he revealed himself to me for the first time. And his presence completely filled the atmosphere and entered in through the horizon. And he just engulfed me with his spirit. And his spirit was personal and authoritative and self-authenticating. I knew exactly who I was in the presence of. This was the presence of Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the New Testament. There was no question in my mind who I was with and who he was. It was Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the sacrifice for human sin, the Jesus I'd been suppressing and unrighteousness and running from and really warring against and enemies with. This is the Jesus who's showing up for me right now in love. And I knew it was him. And um, he started to fill me. It, it wasn't just an external experience. I was being born again. I was being filled from the inside out. Uh, the Holy Spirit was just doing a work in my mind and heart, revealing Christ to me like he does. And I was overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed at the simplicity of it, the simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of the gospel. And all I could say in my mind during that time was, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. How did I miss this? And the Bible says nobody mm-hmm. says Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm there and I'm, I'm just in the presence of Jesus and I know it's him. And I'm not thinking in my mind, I'm so loved, I'm so forgiven, I'm so thankful. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're real, you're sovereign, you are Lord over absolutely everything. Because what I needed to know in that moment, I didn't need to feel better. I needed to know the truth. I needed to know who he was. And he knew what would stick with me and what would really change my life. And that was a powerful revelation of the truth of his identity of Jesus being the name above all names. And I'm I'm, I'm there and I'm on my face and I'm trying to stand up and I can't stand up. And I just sense the supreme Lordship of Jesus. He's God over all, like it says in Romans nine, five, he's God over all. There's no one higher. And I'm in his presence and I can sense in the spirit that creation itself is responding to him being there. And it says in Romans 8 that um, all of creation eagerly awaits its day of redemption, that it's it's groaning in the pains of childbirth. And when he showed up, uh, I don't know if if he he dropped the veil to show me what's always going on or if this was just a special instance because he was there with me. But it sounded like the crickets and the leaves on the trees and uh, the sound of the wind was all glorifying him and partaking in the worship of him. And it recognized him when he was there. Like they took note, they somehow knew. And Jesus was showing me that creation itself knew who he was. And uh, that was intense for me to see because I thought that God was the universe. I thought the universe was God and he showed up and he's there. And then immediately when he's there, the universe responds to him. He's above the universe. And uh, like the Bible says, you know, the earth is the Lord's, the earth is his footstool, and he was Lord over it. And I knew exactly where he stood in relationship to me and in relationship to creation. He was Lord. When he shows up, there's no question about that. And that was it for me. And that that lasted about, I was in his presence for like five minutes, and uh, I got up, and I went back into my house, and I was born again. I was just born again, and I had the Spirit giving me revelation after revelation about the the doctrine I had taught and come across 
and he's giving me answers to questions I wasn't even asking. And my mind is just being absolutely flooded. And, and now that, that experience and the indwelling of the spirit that I have, that's now the standard by which I assess everything else that I had taught and learned about. If he is who he claimed to be, and he is because I just met him and he's with me now, then I have to now assess all of these spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual teachings in light of the Lordship of Jesus and of salvation in Christ and Christ alone. And so from this new vantage point, I'm able to see everything like just so crystal clear, how it's been set up throughout history, how demons have been deceiving people throughout history, through all these false religions to keep, sorry, to keep people away from the cross of Christ, to keep people away from what I just experienced being born again in the Lord. And that was when I quit my job. That was the day I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm all in. Lord, I'm done. I quit my job that day. I never wrote another New Age article from that point forward. Um, I went online and I, I told people, I apologized to people, telling them that the New Age movement's a demonic deception and that I'm really sorry for leading them into believing and practicing these things when they're not true. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and I just met him, and I encountered him, and I'm saved, and I want you guys to be saved too, and please don't be deceived by these tactics of Satan. Uh, they have nothing to do with God. They're designed to keep you away from God. You know, please be open to the person of Jesus. He loves you. He is who he claimed to be, etc. And I got backlash because, you know, I didn't know any Christians online. All I knew was hundreds of thousands of New Agers that I was saying this to. And that was when I uh, made my, my testimony video. It was in response to all these questions people in the New Age movement were having. Uh, they were asking me questions about Jesus, about the Bible, about what happened in my life. So I made this testimony video, which by God's grace has about 830,000 views right now on YouTube, where I'm just sharing with the people, you know, what God did in my life, how I met Jesus, how my life has changed. And that was about three and a half years ago. And uh, since then, um, my life has been uh, just unbelievable. It's just been God's grace, God's favor, God's blessing, um, He's grown. The thing I'm most thankful for, Frank, is not the opportunity to make a living for myself or anything like that. I'm still living in my parents' house. What I love about God is he loves us enough to change who we are and yeah. uh, to dig into our character. The fact that I can say not just that I'm going to heaven, but that I'm not the same person I was three and a half years ago, that I'm saved from my old identity. I'm saved from myself. I'm set free from me. I'm set free from the devil, from demons, from my own brokenness. Um, that's he, It's what he saves us for. He saves us for a new life. It's not just what he saves us from. And uh, a life of victory, emotional, mental, spiritual victory, and, uh, you know, Jesus says the devil came to seek, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And um, I'm just so thankful to God and to the Lord and, and to the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit is how we know, right? It's the Spirit that bears witness that we are the children of God, right? And this is how we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit came and filled me, that's when I knew for certain Jesus is who he claimed to be. That's it. The Spirit told me to go read the Bible. I didn't know the Bible was inerrant or divine until this, until I got saved. And then the Spirit was like, go over there, go read what God has to say about you, what God has to say about himself. The Spirit is the one who uh, leads us into all truth, as Jesus says. And I love that God is so good as to give us himself where we actually carry around uh, a little piece of heaven with us in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, it's been a crazy last few years, but I'm extremely grateful. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I, I spoke at Hear the Watchman, and God's been having me do conferences lately. It's just been such a, a pleasure and a blessing to be able to serve him and expose the, uh, the same lies and tactics of the enemy that, that led me astray. Praise God, brother. That's, that's just so powerful. And, man, I, I'm just – I'm hearing what you're saying, and um... – one of the things I, I I wanted to visit for a second back with you was that feeling that peace that you needed to confess and 
the fear of doing it. And um, I remember, um, you know, I went through all this, you know, addiction and drugs and fighting and everything you can imagine under the sun. And the Lord saved my life in one day. And I've shared, you know, over the years some of my story and everything on the program. But there was one thing I hadn't confessed. And my wife's listening upstairs right now. So I'm, she's going to can testify. It's painful. My right. infidelity was terrible. And when I came into my wife and I confessed, you know, all these things I was doing, like, you know, kind of like she didn't know, you know, I was so, it, I was such a, I deceived myself, like you were talking about self-deception, that she knew what was going on for the most part. But, you know, I, I thought I had, I was such a good liar, and I was, I was a professional, but she was not stupid. And, and so I drop all these mega bombs, and she knew a lot of it, and God saved my life. But there was one thing I didn't confess at the time, because it was, I was afraid of too much, you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't want to say this, because this is just over the top, and... So for years I struggled, brother, um, after this thing, you know, is this the, does the Lord want me to confess this? Or is, you know, is that just the devil trying to remind me of my past? And, and so I would, you know, tell myself I'm a new creation, you know, all things are brand new. You know, the, the old right. is now passed away. You know, I'm telling myself this, but I, I'm wondering what should I do? And so we're, we're heading down the road one day and my wife was, comes out and shares with me about a financial mistake um, that she had made. And, and, and it was pretty serious at the time, but um, you know, I thank God she keeps her finances in order. But when she told me that at that moment, brother, I had a weight come down on the vehicle and I literally was like leaning forward in the passenger seat. Like this tremendous weight was on me saying, tell her now, tell her right now. Right. And I couldn't uh-huh. avoid it. And, and I didn't want to hurt her anymore, you know, because right now, even saying this, man, it's not easy still just 20 years ago. Right. But I had to confess and, and I broke her again. Yeah, I did. It hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But she forgave me. And yeah. we moved on. And yeah. and I remember that finally that moment passed. And I was like, finally, man. The past is over now. It's finally done. Yeah. And I, the relief feeling, which I know you felt when you gave, you know, finally came clean with that. Yeah. That confession of, you know, repentance is something so many people fear, but it's God taking that old garbage and removing that stuff that we've been dragging around forever. And, and brother, that I mean, it just resonated with me because I remember that feeling and that fear. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's just be honest, all right? Now, people say, well, I don't even know. A lot of people don't know what I look like or I don't have my stuff out there. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't, I did a lot of bad things, a lot. And I'm not looking to open up the past always. You know, I've, you know, I've got, the Lord has blessed me with ministry and speaking in different places. And you know, I remember I had to go speak at a church a while back and it was right by, you know, close to where my high school was. And I had, a, I'm not lying. I was fearful going in there. Cause I was like, Oh my, uh, what, who's going to be in here? You know, then I literally stood up and said, if we went to high school together, I'm sorry. That was the first thing I said in that church as I'm sorry, because I, right. you know I mean? I, I was not a stellar person, but then being able to share the Christ transforming process, brother. I mean, what a blessing. And, and, um, thank you for this. Um, I, I wanted to visit back a, a few other things and folks, I don't want to, I want to, don't want to take away from this moment because I, I want to get one thing straight. What you've just heard brother Stephen share can be the same experience you have in your life. At that moment when you're willing, like he was, okay, I'm all in at this point. I'm ready to come. And, and sometimes it takes a pretty bad place to get to before we're finally ready to give up. And, and you, brother, you were talking, you were feeling the pressure of, and you were trying to learn to live with it, but that demonic pressure begins to eat at a person. That's right. And, and, and so, folks, this kind of experience, this isn't just something that only a few people can have. This is the God that we serve that's able to free you 
from whatever it is that you're trapped in, if you're willing to be honest with him. Stephen, you mentioned that your problem was honesty back then. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got honest with God. Yeah. And that yeah. was a right that was life changing. Go ahead. It was, yeah. I uh the Lord actually had me uh well I, I confessed every conscious memory I had of wronging her, wronging the people I'd hurt. And uh I didn't know what was on the other side of it. I just knew when things came up that I had to confess them. And, um, you know, I was born again. I was in church. I had godly counsel in my life. But it reached a point where um, God wanted me to just express all of the the sin that I'd been holding on to. And, you know, that really makes you appreciate the destructiveness of sin and the stain of sin. You know, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin for a season, how that can deceive us. Uh, when we actually get right with God, you know, sometimes we think, well, I'll just enjoy sin and get right later. We don't know how destructive we're being to ourselves and to other people. My mind was so warped when I came to Christ because of the the broken thought systems I had developed from living uh, in sin for so long and in deception for so long and being a, a pathological liar and, and narcissist for so long. It took me Christian counseling. Uh, multiple Christian counselors. It took me a lot of seeking the Lord in tears, a lot of prayer, a lot of church services, deliverance. Um, I went all in when I got saved and I needed it. And it does start with that moment of honesty where we can really just come to the place of realizing um, I'm not fit to do this on my own. And that's okay because you weren't made to do this on your own. You were made to walk through this life with God. Your emotions were made to function with the oil of the Holy Spirit uh, you were never made to be just a, a standalone person on your own island, struggling and trying to solve everything in your own strength. Thankfully, we don't have to do that. And we have a God who loves us enough to partner with us um, in our problems. And uh, so if, if we can reach that place where we can just come before Jesus and confess, I need you. I need you. Uh, I'm broken. I'm sinful. I need you. The Bible says this. He says, uh, Jesus says, I will by no means turn away those who come to me, right? He says, whoever seeks will find, whoever knocks, the door will be opened unto him. So his promise is when you come to him and you have a humble, contrite heart, that he will receive you, he will forgive you, he will take you by the hand, and he will lead you into the life that he created you for. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's for more than just suffering and trying to pay the bills and trying to get through the next day. And for me, I didn't know that there was anything available except suffering and misery. I didn't know that there's such a thing as happiness and joy and peace because I, all I had known was devastation and destruction. And when the Lord came into my life, he was showing me that it's his good pleasure to give us these things. He paid a price for our sin that we don't, we don't have to pay a price for our sin anymore. He was already judged in our place for our sins. When we come to him, we live in freedom because the debt's already been play, paid in full. So we can have absolutely no weight on our shoulders and just walk with the Lord in the life he created us to live. And uh, it's his promise, whoever seeks will find, you know. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will surely find me. And so I would encourage people to be honest with the Lord and get before him, even tonight, even if you need a moment of of rededicating your life to Jesus, and just cry out to him in, in repentance and say, Lord, I need you. I believe that you died and rose from my sins. I believe that you that you love me. I believe that you have more for my life than living in sin. Please cleanse me. Please forgive me of everything that I've done wrong. I want to live for you, Jesus. Give me power and strength, Lord, to overcome any sin that still remains in my life. I want to walk in freedom, Jesus, and I need your help to do that. Right? He, he, he hears us when we pray because he loves us. And uh, it, it's the gospel, brother. It, it set me free. It sets us free from the power of sin, the penalty of sin. It sets us free from ourselves. And I, I didn't know any of this was possible until I met Jesus personally. And now I can't, I can't keep my mouth shut up about it because it's, it's the only thing worth living for. Oh, praise God, brother. That's powerful. Hallelujah. You know, it's, and it's what happens after that coming to Christ. And, and folks, it's not all easy. I've had some hard times. But I've had some of the most amazing times. 
that I've ever had. And when I have the hard times, I have something now that I didn't have before. And that was hope and confidence that Christ will never leave me nor forsake me. You know, brother, it was, I had about a month ago, a pretty heart wrenching talk on one of my shows in the beginning. I lost one of my closest, absolute best friends growing up. Um, He uh, drank himself to death and took a bunch of pills uh, in one night and, um, he was gone. And, um, you know, 20 years ago when I separated myself from that life, I kind of cut it off. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't be around that anymore. And I, and I agree. I, I, right. I tell people, if you were trying to get off crack, you don't hang out at the crack house. Right. And so I, I, but I separated so hard that I, I felt like I abandoned some of my old friends, not even trying more. And, um, Right. But they're tremendous bout of guilt. And, yeah. Uh, but um, I also know that I, I can't change the past, but what I can do is I can change the future. And so uh, right. tomorrow I'm going to be going over and spending some time with one of his oldest brothers, that, um, with his oldest brother, the oldest one that he, uh, that he hadn't talked to for 20 years. Because right after I'd been converted, they got into a fight so bad that they didn't talk for 20 years. Wow. And I listened to that older brother who was one time the whole family they were the one of the most they were the most feared brothers around. They were so tough. And I listened to him bawl like a baby because his brother died without talking to him. Tore me up. Wow. And so I talked to him the other day and, and I'm going over tomorrow and I just keep that in prayer if you can. I'm trying to reach back to the family. And um if his life means that they'll come to Christ, then then may at least ha- whatever it takes. You know, I, I wish I could have done more, and, and I don't know that I could. I know the Lord knew that I had a weakness, that I couldn't be around that stuff anymore. But, right. Um, I, I want to reach out and make a difference. And, and folks, that's what happens. Um, I, the other day, just, you know, this lady, I know she wanted me to go visit her daughter with her, and I told her I would. She was a drug addict. We went down to the prison about uh, – you know, 45 minutes from here, half hour, about 45 minutes, and go in and meet her daughter, and I, I actually knew her. So I didn't really know her, but I knew I knew her. She looked familiar, and we used to party at the same places, and, and now all of a sudden I've got a relationship going with her daughter, and I'm able to speak to her and pray with her because I was involved in the same things. And, and I mean, that's just what God does. That's, that's just what happens when you follow Christ. So... Uh, brother, thank you so much for this um, sharing tonight what the Lord has done. And um, I, I want to just, you know, kind of close out here, um, folks. You know, what you've heard with Stephen and why I had him come on here tonight is because I believe that that we need to get this thing right between us and God. Uh, right to a point where you have the confidence. The Lord wants you to move through this earth in confidence of your salvation and understand the glorious joy of living in obedience to him. Some people are afraid of obedience, but it's actually, it's not fearful. It is joyful to follow what the Lord actually says to do. And, um, Brother, your life, I'm sure, has not been always easy since this. You you don't just get involved in the largest uh, New Age website out there and step out in just easy street, do you? No, I've had uh, I've had broken relationships in my life. I've had uh, um, emotional brokenness in my life. But there's a difference between really having the devil do a number on you day in and day out, like he was in the New Age movement, and you know, circumstantial suffering. Um, suffering that is happening because, you know, my heart is overwhelmed with the reality of a situation that's in front of me versus me suffering in the privacy of my own heart and mind because I'm completely warped in my thinking and I'm completely um, distraught and just completely twisted uh, in my own mentality and in my own emotions. And what the Lord wants to do is, uh, by His Word, He wants to renew us in the spirit of our mind, right? The Bible says we've been given the mind of Christ, and so we can eliminate um, you know, unnecessary suffering by cooperating with him um, and his commandments. And, you know, the, the first lie, really the only lie that Satan has to, to offer 
to us is that obedience to God can't bring us happiness. Everything is really packed into that lie that there's something outside of obedience that's going to be better for us than following in his commandments. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It also says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And when we really want to get right with God and we make that decision to be at peace in our conscience with the Lord, I'm going to confess to who I need to confess to. Lord, if you want me to, I'm going to wait on you. If you give me the green light, I'm going to confess. I'm going to, I'm going to just do it. Um, and when we really decide we're going to, in our private life, when no one's looking, we're going to honor him in our thoughts, we're going to honor him in our actions, that's when you said we have, we have confidence in our faith. We have boldness in our faith, a verse that changed my life in relation to this, in relation to having secret sin and, and just the shame that comes with secret sin. A lot of times, here's what I've been noticing, brother. A lot of times people will say, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren. Um, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's our own heart condemning us, like the Bible says our own heart condemns us. Sometimes it's having a disturbed conscience because we're living outside we know we should live. And Paul talks multiple places about the importance of having a clear conscience before God. And so a verse that really changed my life is that the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when nobody pursues them. Right? So when I have a life that's righteous before God, um, I can be bold in my profession of faith toward people. I can be bold in my relationships. I can be bold romantically. I can be bold in vulnerability holding space for other people to be vulnerable, receiving that, being vulnerable back. Why? Because I'm not afraid that, hey, if I let them too close, they're going to find out my junk. If I let them too close, I'm going to have to start confessing the skeletons in my closet. I don't have any. Therefore, I can let people in and finally give and receive love properly because my slate is clean on the inside. And, I mean, the devil's getting away with murder, causing people to live in guilt, shame, and condemnation when they don't have to. It starts with a simple prayer. A simple prayer, if you confess your sins unto God, he's faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That happens immediately, and that's his promise. You know, He's a, he's a holy God. He's a just God, but he's long-suffering, and he's patient, and he's satisfied all of his justice, all of his holy anger, if you will, on the cross of Christ. So when you come to him, he can receive you as a son and receive you as a daughter. He's not judging you for sins that he's already judged Jesus for. The price has already been paid in full. He can just be in relationship with you now like a father. And, and that's the gospel, that we, that we can now be called sons of God. And, and that's really my heart, brother, as much as I love exposing the New Age movement, and that's really the ministry God's called me to. You know, Paul says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of bringing people back to God. And he even says, I plead with you, be reconciled unto God. And that's what it's all about, is bringing people into relationship with their maker who loves them. He's their healer. Right? He's their forgiver, and he wants to help you walk through the problems in your life that you weren't designed to walk through without him. Um, but most importantly, we have to have this realization that I've sinned against a holy God. I'm guilty before holy God, and I will give an account to that on judgment day. And therefore, I need to repent and trust in Jesus for my salvation so that I can be forgiven of my sins and enter into right relationship with God. Praise God. Brother, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And sharing this. This is what the remnant calls about. It's it's not only about warning and waking up to the times, but folks, this show is about going deeper with the Lord. It's not something you should ever fear. God forbid that we'd ever have such a view of our Lord and Savior to think that he would somehow punish us because we want to go deeper. Unfortunately, that is the way many people view going deeper. They see it as pain because there's going to be confession or whatever there might be, folks, it is liberation that happens when you go deep. It is liberation that happens when you want to know who God is. When you have that, you know, moment of Moses, you know, Lord, show me your glory. You know, that moment when you're like, I've got to have something more. I want to see the glory of God and it will change your life. Brother, quickly, again, if you could share how everybody can keep up with what you're doing and what's going on. Yeah, I have a, a website called reasonsforjesus.com. It's a Christian apologetics website. Um, I have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Stephen Bancars, where I'm actually going to be releasing um, a new interview with Dr. Mike Heiser uh, very shortly on the topic of angels and how this topic has been abused in certain areas of the church and how false imitating spirits are working their way into the body of Christ. Uh, my YouTube channel is another place. I'm also on Facebook. You can add me as a friend or follow me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. 
um, those would be uh, the best places to follow me and, and, and what the Lord's um, doing through my life now. All right. Well, God bless you, brother. Thank you again for coming on to the Remnant Call. Folks, please keep up with it, what he's doing. Uh, brother, um, may God bless you in your ministry, uh, Stephen, in everything you do, and continue to expose this darkness and lead people into the glorious light of Jesus Yeshua. Thank you so much, everybody. This is Brother Frank and Brother Stephen Bankars on the Remnant Call tonight saying good night and shalom. <laughs>